Welcome everybody to Front Row with Jackie Rowe and I'm your host. I hope that everyone had a wonderful weekend and a wonderful Mother's Day and all you single mothers as well because every day is Mother's Day. So with that being said, I today I have a very, very different approach on my podcast. This would be my first politician and um, she will be running for Brooklyn Borough President. Please welcome to the podcast. Tanisha, Trisha, I'm sorry, O'Connor. Did I say that right? <laughs> welcome. Tanisha O'Connor, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, you for are having me. so and, welcome. And happy belated mother, Mother's Day to all the mothers um, and all the all the mothers in everyone's life who, you know, who's not necessarily a mother. Happy belated Mother's Day. Thank you. And you are a mother as well, correct? I am. I am. I'm a mother of three, two girls and a, and a little boy. Mhm. And so, what was uh, your Mother's Day like yesterday? So yesterday we started off um, in church. Um, I gave a little word in in church. I mm-hmm. uh, spoke about Joseph and Moses's mother, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a we had a great time in church. After church, we went um, ate some, you know, had some some, some food and canvas. My kids went out, went out with me, you know, until it started raining and then we had to come in. But for the most part, we were out in the park. We went to the park and walked around and spoke to the community. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So a mother's duty is never done. Is that correct? <laughs> it's always. Absolutely. So, you know, I would love for you to tell my audience a little bit about you besides being a great and fantastic mother. And like, again, shout out to all the wonderful mothers. So you are running for Brooklyn Borough Presidency candidate, right? Yes, yes. So I like to say I'm not a politician. Um, this is very new to me, this whole process, everything I'm doing here. I am a community and housing educator and strategist. Um, I understand housing, I understand community, and I, and I come with my community and I discuss um, what's going on and, and I help them educate. We, we learn together, you know. I've been teaching uh, real estate and housing for uh, CUNY, CUNY colleges for the past 11 years. So I, I definitely like to consider myself an educator as well as a student because I'm always learning. And then, um, you know, and community. So I've sat on my community board for about a decade. I was one of the youngest people who sat on the community board. One of the things that's the role of the Brooklyn Borough President is to appoint 50% of the community board members. And um, what one of the things that they're asking for is reform. How can we, you know, get some younger people also on the board, on the community board, to have them say, be involved? And I was one of the youngest people on the community board at the time. I, I, don't, I don't even really remember how I started, how I got on, but I became very involved and um, spent a decade on the board, came on twice. That's fantastic. Um, and, Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I'm the immediate past housing chairperson of the community board. So I came in young and, and kept on going and became chair of the of the housing committee, worked very closely with the ladies committee, the youth committee, and I helped develop the block association. So um, question, which, what, yeah. was your mother involved in this or this is just something that you just picked up on your own? You know, my mother wasn't involved, but when it comes to the housing, my mom 
you know, I'm a real estate professional. And my mom took the real estate class with me when I was young as well. Wow. And she never got licensed. But she took the class with me. We sat in class and we learned it together. And she said, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have thought about buying houses differently. Like she felt like she was mm-hmm. scammed when she bought her home. Mm-hmm. And that gave me the housing push. Between her saying that and my father telling me, you know, every brick in a house is worth a bar of gold, which means that that value means something to someone. So you want to really study Absolutely. and pay attention to, pay attention to it. So that's where I got my drive from. My community, um, my, 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 they're not so much out. You know, everyone knows my dad. Everyone he helps everyone, you know. Um, and, and who is your dad? And please let the audience know what is his name. You know, come on. This is your platform. Let the okay, people know okay. your background. My, my, my dad, my dad, my dad, he's O'Connor. He's over. Everyone, everyone who's around me sees my father. Okay. And they always see my father. They always see him there helping me. You know, my mom has helped me a lot with my children. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's, she's usually in the house. She's holding me down, helping me with the kids. But my father, you will see him whether I'm at a protest. Or I'm at a meeting, or I'm doing business. You, a lot of times, you'll see my dad that 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 has my back right with me. And what was his um, name again? Caesar. Caesar O'Connor. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So that's good family instillment. So we get a little better background of your, you know, your whole upbringing of how you became to want to be, you know, this person that wants to run for Brooklyn president. You know what I mean? So it's not right. only you know, are you, because you said it's the first, this is new to you, but you had some background from your mother and your father, that instillment that I tell everybody that they need to pay attention to. So I'm very big on family structure. So I have a question. This cease and desist bill, Senator Bill, you know what I mean, um, 1256A, this is a bill that's up for vote in the New York Assembly, you know, that is designed to protect Brooklyn homeowners from predatory real estate and practice. Tell us about that. I know you're an advocate for this bill. So... You know, I, I was one, also one of the young, the youngest block association presidents for my block. I remember when I became block association president, um, the woman who was block association president before, she said, you know, I always we were waiting for you to become president, right? Mm. And a lot of times when we have our meetings, they tell me what's going on and what's the problem. And one of the biggest problems is investors knocking on homeowners' doors, asking them to sell. Mm-hmm. Asking them to sell, asking them, you know, I'll put you in a nursing home. And a lot of times they come with unfavorable terms mm-hmm. and they come with fraud. They come wow. with fraud. Because you've heard many, many situations where, you know, the little old lady's in her house and she's owned this home for 50 years and then she has dementia and someone has had her sign her deed over <laughs> and she doesn't, she didn't know. Like you'll hear situations like that. You know, right? yes, that's so, you know, it's really funny that we're having this conversation, but there's a movie on Netflix, I think it was, or Prime called I Care or Home Care. And it's talking, wow, okay. it's, it's just, you have to watch that. It's the same thing. I will. Lady comes in, push the papers to the person, you know, in their face and tell them they have to sign, put them in the old folks home. And it's a big scam. If that movie, we watch it like two times, me and my, my eldest son. So they did really, you're really touching on something that needs to be talked about and be protected for the elderly. So, so, you know, I've been studying real estate for over 20 years, mm-hmm. right? And so I understand, I am, I'm in the industry, I'm studying, I'm still studying the industry, so I get it. And, 
you know, when, what happens is when someone is five months behind on their mortgage payment, the bank files something called a list pendants to, which is a pre-foreclosure. Okay. And once the bank files it in the courthouse, it now becomes public records. So once it becomes public records, the investors come out like sharks and they're preying on the houses and they're knocking on the houses and they're knocking on the doors. And sometimes someone may only be behind one month. There's help out there for wow. people who are bought, but out there. Mm-hmm. But what happens is their, their, their investors' resources are so strong and they're so hungry that they're making it to the homeowners before. So getting their seats in this, this bill is a non-solicitation. But let me tell you how it started. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we really got to listen to, how it started. Okay. So this is not a new bill. Okay. Trisha, Trisha O'Connor didn't create a new bill. All Trisha O'Connor is asking is, can you please put this bill in communities of color? That's yes, it. Absolutely. That's absolutely. So, so, so the way the bill started was in, in the 1970s, um, there was, there's was something called blockbusting. Mm-hmm. And blockbusting is an aggressive, it's harassment, um, it, it's an aggressive method to get someone to sell their home. Such as you ring their bell. You not you knock on their doorbell. You you call them. You mail them. You you just constantly are solic- trying to solicit them to sell their home. So what happens is that is illegal. That is called that if if you're doing it in the manner of fear, is a difference between marketing mm-hmm. and and trying to put fear into someone to sell their home. That's blockbusting. Mm-hmm. So in the '70s when a Hispanic or a black person moved out of their home, moved into a home in a community that was predominantly white, the real estate agents would would aggressively market to these other homeowners, telling them, you need to sell your home before the value goes down, before wow. crime goes up. Because as more blacks and Hispanics move in, the neighborhood is going to change. This was just the fair tactic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what happened? Well, we're is seeing that the, now. <laughs> the homeowners got the homeowners got upset. Some sold their homes and left, but many got upset and went to the state and asked the state for a non solicitation order. And the state issued a cease and desist bill by the New York State Department of State. Now I want to disclose that I am a board member, I'm appointed board member on the New York State Department of State. Mm-hmm. That's what that's how I was able to find out the process to get this bill into my community. Because I asked questions. Like, you know, you did some research and you mm-hmm. asked some questions and you find out how the bill will come about, right? right? So now now I went to my local senator and the local senator has passed the bill. Okay. However, it still needs to be passed in assembly. Now, understand that there's a lot of people who may not want this bill passed because once this bill is passed, homeowners will be able to put their name on a list and no one will be able to solicit them to sell their home. Okay. If and when they want to sell their home, they will seek the professional they want. Okay. So, you so- can no longer call them and, and, and knock on their doors. And with the moratorium going to be listed in August 31st if we don't get this season this is bill passed before the session is over when the moratorium is listed you're going to see a flood of that happening with the harassment and the knocking on the doors and the calls because they're going to know that there's going to be a lot of people in foreclosure facing foreclosure 
Okay, so what are some of the resources that someone could find to protect themselves meanwhile this bill is being in, in office? Well, one, they need to call their local assembly person, mm-hmm. their New York State assembly person, and they need to tell them, we want the cease and desist bill passed. We need the protection for our homes. We are tired of getting the harassment. We are tired of getting the letters. We want we want this bill passed. Please get it passed before the session is over. So that that's the first thing you want to do. Um, the second thing is you want to find a HUD approved counselor. So you can go to HUD HUD.gov and you can find a counselor. Um, you know, this is this is for anyone in the country. You know, not just my Brooklyn like anyone in the country. You mm-hmm. can go there and you can find a free HUD approved counselor now. The services mostly are free. They, it's a nonprofit approved by the, by the government. They're funded by the government. They may have small fees, but they're 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 walk walk you through the steps to save your home, okay. right? And they have different programs. Okay. All right. So the pro was what you said that when you know in the seize and desist bill that um, you know some people wouldn't like it. But then what is the con? What is the con? Why wouldn't people like it? So the investors wouldn't like it okay. because once once you create this non-solicitation order for these other neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is now homeowners, where are most where are most of the, the, the foreclosures coming? There there are thirty thousand homes facing foreclosure in New York City alone, in New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. So you know um, most of that is in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. And after this pandemic. If people did not get into the for, into the more into the foreclosure moratorium, into the um, mortgage moratorium, if people did not were paying their bills, their mortgages, they couldn't. If they weren't being being counseled by HUD approved counselors or getting cre- proper advice, they can be a lot more foreclosures than we expect. So what's going to happen is these, as I told you before, once a foreclosure is pat- is, is is filed, it's in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Investors pick it up. Now we're going to have a flood of investors knocking on homeowners' doors when those homeowners should be getting the help from the counselors first. The yeah. government, a lot of, you know, um, um, Biden sent down, President Biden sent down a lot of money to New York City. That was my next question. Yeah, through this whole COVID, I was going to get to that one. Yeah, but go ahead. You have the floor. They, they, thank you so much. They send down a lot of money. So these housing organizations, they're they're quick. They, they, they can, they can, they're there to help. They're ready to help. Okay. But we need to get the, the community help before the investors. So right. stopping them from coming, it, basically a non-solicitation is going to put a blanket over the whole community. For those who register, so you still have to register, right? Just mm-hmm. creating this non-solicitation doesn't cover the whole community. It, it allows you to put your name on the list to be protected. So now, once this blanket comes and all the community can put their name on the list, it's going to prevent the investors from knocking on the doors to solicit for homes, to sell their homes. Mm-hmm. That's it. So without the, not, without, without the knocks on the doors or the phone calls, it makes it harder for these investors to get these homes. Right, which exactly. Which gives more time for the organizations to help them true and, and, and correctly. Okay. So the housing crisis with the COVID-19 pandemic has caused a lot of issue surrounding the housing industry. Foreclosures are extremely high levels 
renters have mounted bills from, you know, liabilities to pay. Landlords are unable to make ends, you know, meet. And, and you know, whether you're rent, own, or mortgage, or property, everyone is affected by house, you know, housing crisis, right? So you have worked hard in the industry for over 20 years to make sure that this is being, you know, um, one second, that this is, this is like, people are just aware of what to do in case of something like this, you know? Correct. Right. So, um, so, but for me, mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, I'm, I'll wait. No, I, w- I was just going to say that, you know, you believe the issues is a callousness of issues that is, you know, you, know, you want to be able to bring more awareness by being Brooklyn Bird president to talk. And this is a different approach. This is why I really wanted to get you on because we have different bird president for different reasons, but no one is talking about the crisis of all of these homes that are being affected. I think people want to know more. They want to hear resource. They want to know what to, you know, what they can do. And of course, yeah, Biden has put out a lot of money, but there's so many people that don't know the one-on-one, you know, how to be able to do it. Like, you know what I mean? Cause there's always somebody trying to get over. Like you said in the beginning of the conversation if you had known what you have known now it would have been a whole different ball game you found out that the you know everybody was taking money on a back end correct right 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 um, so, but, well, well, for, for my for my for my mother you mean when she was yes mm-hmm. so she just felt like i, I wouldn't say so much on the back end she just felt like she wasn't knowledgeable she, she realized that people were not right. honest with her mm-hmm they, they, you know, there, there were there were times when she probably did get overcharged for certain things, mm-hmm. or wasn't aware of certain things, or advised of mm-hmm. proper decisions to make on certain things. And she felt like after she took our class, she knew more. And that's why I'm that's why I'm an educator. Right. That's why I'm a housing community educator because I want people. And a lot of so people needed. don't like to work with people who are educated who mm-hmm. understand certain things because if they don't understand it they will pass things easier. It's easier to just pass if someone doesn't understand because whatever you tell them, it sounds good. But I believe in the community being educated. For example, a land use project. Mm-hmm. There's a land use project coming near my house now uh, through the EULA process, which is a pest control building. Wow. A pest control building. Wow. They're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to be um, having laboratories where they're making the, the, the chemicals to kill the rats for the whole of New York City. Jesus. The community board voted in favor of it. The borough president voted not in favor of it. That's a disconnect, right? That's mm-hmm. a disconnect. But also, you know, I believe that the community voted in favor of it because they weren't educated enough. They exactly. I was gonna them. I was just getting ready to say that. Um that's why I'm saying this conversation is really relevant because we need to be more educated. Like, you know, and homeowners, renters, everyone needs to be more educated on what's going on. So what is the community board of block association exactly? What do they do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the block association is your block. Or it could be a tenant association. Mm-hmm. So if you live in a building, you know, a couple people, you have a, a secretary, a treasurer, a chair, um, and then you have members, and you meet monthly, just like the block association. Same thing, you meet, you get a final location, you meet monthly, you talk about issues on the block, you may um, a lot of times get incorporated, right, And mm-hmm. as, a, as a nonprofit, collect dues and use that money to help certain situations, um, uh, maybe block parties, maybe little uh, holiday events, mm-hmm. scholarships they may give away. 
So that's pretty much how the block associations, they, you know, some people think that block associations only do block parties, but no, they do right. a lot more than that. And you could always tell a block that has a block association. It's... A tenant association is the same thing. They work to make sure that everything in their in their building is, 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 is good, right? If they have to hold a landlord accountable, they come together for that. And in fact, you know, in New York City, if you have a, a community space, the landlord has to allow you to use that space Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for your meeting, people should understand that and do that. And it's not just to come come at the landlord; it's also to say, "Hey, maybe we we can help do this, so we can come, come together, together and do a, a, a picnic for kids." Right now, the community board. There are eighteen community boards in Brooklyn. Um, there are throughout the whole of Brooklyn, and they have uh, community board members who are appointed to them. Now, the borough president appoints 50% of them, and then the local city council members, they appoint the rest, depending on the percentage of the community of that community that they have, that community board that they have. Now, the community board um, has staff, they have an office, and then they have an executive staff, an executive, mm-hmm. an executive non-paid um, board as well, and then you have the, the regular members. And then they have committees committees pertaining to different issues. You may have housing, you may have sanitation committee, and they meet regularly to address those issues, events, do programs, work with the agencies, and that's their role. But another big part of the community board is to give recommendations on certain issues. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if a new bar wants a liquor license, mm-hmm. uh, the, the New York City Liquor Authority, what they want is a recommendation from the local community who has to live next to that bar. Mm-hmm. So that bar now has to come to the community board and explain who they are and what they want and you know, what safety precautions they're going to do, whatever it, whatever it is, and then the community board gives a recommendation, yes or no. It's only a recommendation because the people want to hear first what the community says. Um, and that also is with the land use. So ULURP is the land use process with the city. So when someone has, um, you know, is coming to the city for something that's not as of right. As of right means the way the land is, the zoning, mm-hmm. um, they, what they plan to do with that building or build on that building, they meet all the requirements. So when they need, when it does, what what they want to build does not fit what the requirements, what the regulations say based on the zoning, they got to come to the city for an approval to make that change. So two um, recommendations that they must get, it's, 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 that's what it is. It's a recommendation. Like you go to mm-hmm. college and you apply to college or a job and you want a recommendation, yes. it's a recommendation. So the community board has to give one and the borough president. The problem is that they're not given enough time or maybe not enough resources to do the research in time. So many of the community board members are voting on really big issues in their community, like a pet control mm. laboratory the same day it's presented to them. So wow. they come, the city comes and says, hey, we're going to put a laboratory. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to be fine. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. But it is going to hurt. It is going to hurt. It's gonna hurt. It is gonna hurt our community because all those laboratories have chemicals. But I don't even want to get into that part. I want to go back to how important it is to be 
at your community boards and your block associations. Like a lot of people don't understand that. Like, you know, I'm very advocate. I haven't really been in it for the last maybe three to four years, but at one point I was there every every block, every community board in my area because some of them were in the police stations. And in my area, people don't want, you know, they don't like the police. They don't want to be involved with the police. But most of the board meetings were there. And I've found and I met and I built so many great alliances with a lot of the police associates and benevolent and all of that stuff. Because when things would happen in my neighborhood, they would call me and ask me if I can see how to curate certain things in the neighborhood you know what I mean how can I help so it's people don't understand and that's another thing even with your rent even with certain bills you need to go out and you need to come to these community boards and these block associations like you said not only for the block party it's a lot of valuable information but the only time people come out for me is when they have a prices with their rent if they're behind their rent they want to know where to go but there's so much information that's not being put out there and so I want you to understand make sure that people understand how important it is for them to come out and be a part of their community boards and the block associations. And you did, but just please stress it to them again, how important and how valuable that, you know, them being there makes a big issue. Well, well this right here with this pest control, um, you know, facility coming, that shows how important it is, right? Because you can if you if you're sleeping, you know, in a, in a, in a year or two, you're gonna have this laboratory next to you, and you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And of course, the chemicals. The, the community, but here's the thing: as borough president, I believe outreach is needed. Outreach. Mm-hmm. The community board. Yes, I'm, I'm. I'm very happy that he voted. You know, down. You know, for this. For this. For this. 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 Uh. This brand new. But, but the thing about it is the community needs outreach. The community should yes, have been told. Yes, we talked about that. We talked the, about, about yes. that. The, the community needs to be educated, and that's why I'm an educator. And, then the, the and that's why they need to be at these community boards and these black associations. That's exactly my point. That's my point. I want that to be very clear in this whole interview. People need to be at these community boards and these block associations. If you want change, it's not going to be sitting there and waiting for someone to die in your family or the building or the, the ceiling caving in or the water burst and this and that, whatever. You have to be avid. You have to be at these community boards and block associations like you're saying. That's exactly my point. And, and, and pack it because here's the thing. You know, housing, right, is... If you don't have, if you can't turn a key at night and go and sleep someplace safe, everything else gets affected, mm-hmm. right? Becomes a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Then we have an increase in domestic violence. We have an increase in gun violence. We we, we have men, we have uh, mental health issues. We have you know physical health issues. When you don't have a proper home, hmm. other things get affected. But here's the thing. There are so much services out there. But yes, talk about it, please. People need to come to the community and hear about these services. As borough president, I am going to do a lot of outreach. I'm going to make sure there are a lot. I watch the mayor's um, press conference every single morning. Mm-hmm. And every single morning, he is announcing an initiative I and some too. type of mm-hmm. resource out there. Yes. Whether it's summer youth 
or whether you can sign up for, you know, summer yoga or something. And I think that we need to make sure that that information is being is being sent out to the community. But also, it's important that whoever becomes borough president, it's not about them. Exactly. People say, oh, how do you feel about being the first woman? I said, it doesn't matter if I'm the first woman or what. I'm the most qualified. That's how I feel. Okay. If you look at the qualifications of the borough president, the borough president has to appoint 50% of the community board. I I have a lot of community board experience. The, commu- the borough president also has to give recommendation on the ULERP um, language. I have... 20 years of, of, of real estate and housing. Okay. So I'm the most qualified. It's not about me being a woman. It's about making sure Your that we get the job done. Exactly. This housing is about to explode. We're about to have an explosion. When I say it, I've been studying this on the ground level in the community because I am the community. That's right. I'm the community. The, That's need, right. the needs that the community have are the same needs I have. I go into the same supermarket and see the unfresh food too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Like I see the same. I see the same. I'm. I'm. I'm stepping over the same potholes they're stepping over. Mm. So when I see that, I'm not a politician. I would have never ran if I knew that there was. And, and this is nothing to any of the any of the candidates. But if I knew that there was, someone had the experience that is needed to take on what's about to happen. Okay. So, you know, Eric Adams um, was, well, still is the Burroughs president. You know what I mean? Are you um, in association with him? Well, I haven't. I haven't spoken to him. I haven't reached out to him. I have, um, I'm coming in creating my own, my own ideas, my own plan. There are things that he's done that, you know, to be great, but I have my own plan. So what I did is, I did a, a community-based um, council. I created community-based councils. And, you know, sometimes when politicians, they, they get elected, they have transition teams. And these transition teams help them, you know, get into, into the groove of, of, of office. Well, I'm going to have councils from day one and councils that I've already mm. created. Okay. One being housing and land use. So housing and land use where there's going to be professional experts Mm-hmm. community leaders and advocacy organizations key people from those 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 areas sitting on these boards sitting on this council mm-hmm. where we will meet regularly to talk about what is what's going on so I have housing and land use mm-hmm. I have education and employment education and employment I have children who are remote right mm-hmm. I have to I, ha- I I need to address those issues I'm, a, I'm an educator at CUNY Right, employment. So, and I will have a staff, a staff director appointed to every single council. That's how my office will be ran. I also have community policing, public safety, and prison reform. Um, I am the 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 founder of a nonprofit organization, RET. Um, I'm the co-founder of um, what is RET? I'm sorry. Real Estate Empowerment Coalition Inc. Okay. It's a nonprofit organization that I uh, incorporated in 2009 and kind of put it in the, in the file cabinet. Mm-hmm. I knew one day I would want to give back in a greater way in the form of educating um, the community on real estate and housing. I've been running a real estate camp from my office for about the last four years, mm-hmm. um, where every summer, um, summer youth kids come and I teach them real estate, I teach them housing, I teach them entrepreneurship. 
Um, How could they find out? Watch the foreclosures. I'm sorry. Research houses, review houses. I'm sorry. Just want to keep it like as you're talking. How could they find out about that particularly um, project right there? So, so um, the real estate camp. So I have another one to, to the real estate camp. I'm, I'm on pause with the real estate camp um, because you know I'm, I'm campaigning. So I'm not I'm not doing my real estate camp, but I will be having it picked up because I've been the one that's been teaching it for so long. Okay. Um, I'm just coming off finishing a session, but I do we do run another program called the Trading Hammer to Hammer program, co-founded um, by Divine Shabazz and um, co-program uh, director is Darren Fernandez. So we, the Trading Hammer to Hammer program is exactly what it is. You know, we show young men and women how to trade their guns for their for their hammer and help them get into the construction union. Um, nice. Our target market are, are young men and women who are considered high risk or formerly incarcerated who have an interest in getting into the construction where they can get, you know, a job, a, a career, pension, vacation fund, and all of that. Yeah. While they are also getting mentoring and coaching on conflict resolution, um, you know, any resources they need. So that's what we, we, we do with that. Okay, that sounds really fantastic. So we covered, did we cover the council-based leadership? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's the Brooklyn, that yeah. explaining... That was explaining me, me explaining the community policing, okay. the public safety, and the prison reform. Also, of course, you know, public safety. We have a lot of gun violence, right? So right. I believe in community policing, looking at the CMSs and the cure violence and how seeing how we can you can we can support them mm-hmm. to make sure that we have community policing, to make sure that the community is in in the community helping and preventing a lot of the, the gun violence right. or, or, or the violence period in the communities. Um, I've gone to Rikers Island numerous times where I've mm-hmm. sat in day rooms with the young men and women mm-hmm. and spoke to them about housing and, and, and life and real estate and given them resources that they can send back to their parents at home to help one young man that his mom um, she was able to get a free lawyer because of the information I brought to the jail for him. Okay. So what I did was the city creates a pamphlet for um, on housing, and I had Department of um, HPD send boxes to Rikers Island. Awesome. And then when I when I got to Rikers Island, I gave it out to to the young men and women in the jails, mm-hmm. and and I and I actually went through the book with them. So one young man, he said to me, he said, you know, the last time before you came and you brought me the book, instead of calling my mom and asking her for money, I gave her the information for a free lawyer because you were about to get evicted. So he was, she, she was Very like, well you, know, done. You, brought, you brought a lot of information. So sitting down and understanding the prevention of them coming into the jail, I, mm. I get it. I'm mm-hmm. there. I'm with, I'm with mothers. Who lost their children to gun violence? Is a mother who Absolutely. lost their children to gun violence. Absolutely, we're around so, it every day. I'm around it every day. But before I forget my train of thought, um, I think it would be great if you could implement maybe a curricula activity, some type of curricula with that. You know that that whole um, real estate, you know, platform inside the jails. Like, you know, I know you went there and you but something like that because I actually was thinking about. Um, another curricular activity I was talking because I, I trust me have tons of reform parole I was on the calm alert 
um, board for years. You know what I mean? So I worked with parolees as they came home because I, I just know just about everybody that went to jail from different parts of Brooklyn and, you know, and beyond it. You know what I mean? So I've always tried to get in it early to figure out how can we help to reform some of the brothers and sisters. Like, you know, a lot of these people do a lot of advocacy and they're like really out there being seen do it. I do a lot of that stuff behind the scenes and I've been doing that That's for years. Me. You know, yeah, uh -huh. I do it behind the scenes. So when I see people doing stuff like that, I'd be like, okay, well, I've been doing that. You know what I mean? I think, you know, like, hey, if you wanted to know, I think if we came together as a unit, you know what I'm saying, opposed to being, you know, over there and over there and everybody is doing something, you know, it's so much better. It takes a village, you know what I mean, to build anything. And people don't understand coming together as a unit, you know, brings, brings us together more and it makes us more powerful. So I wanted to just make people understand that, you know, all of these resources and stuff that is out there to us, we need to take advantage of it. And I really think that real estate, just talking about this in people's homes and people, you know, um, not knowing how to get certain information to stay afloat and going through this whole COVID epidemic, there are tons of resources out there that people just don't know about. And with you yeah. being in office, people need to understand that, you know, a young woman like you, you have the resource. You say at 20 years, you know, this, you went to SUNY, you know what I'm saying? You, you have a lot of information. You have a lot of experience. You know what I mean? We need this. We need a different twist on what's going on in the economy and in our world. You know what I mean? So I really Absolutely. appreciate that this is something that, you know, we really need and it's good stuff to be out there. You know what I mean? Like keep doing what you're doing and let's pray that you do get in office, you know, and, um, I Absolutely. So the council base, um, the concept, I'm sorry, the council base. Right, I, I, didn't, I didn't even go through the rest of them. I'm so sorry. I just want to say one more thing on the prison reform. Yes. Is, you know, like I said, as going, as myself going, and you should know as well, going into the prison, they, the, the young men and women, we have to, if the prisons are not making sure they're taken care of, we have to put the pressure on them to make sure mm -hmm. that they're giving they're giving them the resources they need. So when they come back to our Brooklyn streets, the, the resources that we complement them with is 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 a is a win win, right? right. So going into the going into the jails and, and and educating them and you know you educate that's what I want. I want under that council um, that mm -hmm. includes the prison reform to have people like yourself, you know, like to to, to under to sit down and understand. What do they need? Because when they come, you know, when they go, right? We don't, we don't, we want to do the prevention so they don't go. Right. But for those who do go, we want to make sure when they're two years or they're five years or they're three years or they're 18 months is up, when they come back to our Brooklyn streets, that we know that they're okay. We're going to, we're going to get yes. more research yes. for them as well. Yes. Yes. But we want to make sure that, you know, Rikers Island or wherever is not screwing them up because guess what? When you let them out, we we need, we gotta we gotta make sure that they're okay while they're there. We have they're to deal with that period exactly. And another thing, you know, that, that I, I was just—it's so funny that I'm having these talk. I don't know if I be spoke about this, but I and I don't know what it is, but I don't know, and I can't put my finger on if I've ever really heard anyone say that they had a curriculum. One of my um good friends told me that they do what these curriculum in places in the jails, but. I don't see that because a ton of my friends been incarcerated for 10, 30, 15 years and they come home and they don't have any etiquette seat at all. 
You know what I mean? Like, how do you, of course you put them in the prisons to the, for them to make, you know what I mean, things for the world. But, you know, how do you expect them to come out to reform them, to be able to get a job, to make a living for their self? That's the part I don't understand. So if you're not teaching them how to go on an interview, you know what I'm saying? You're giving them the skills. I mean, my, my cousin came home and I got stacks, a big envelopes of every trade that he took up me while he was incarcerated. He's not the only one. I got inventions. You know what I mean? That that friends of mine that came home out of jail and, and gave right. it to me, you know, that they invented stuff in jail. Right. Where is the platform for them to execute these things? And one of the things that bothered me is a good friend of mine, you know, he passed years ago. And, I, and I, it, it just bugged me that he didn't, he was so lost of touch with society when he was home. And I mean, a lot of people know me, know I know the streets very well. Like, I am Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, like a lot of my peoples come out and they come here first. You know what I'm saying? And I tried to like to teach them certain little things, you know what I mean? Like, you know, to give them the update or what not to expect. Like, simply don't play catch up with mustard. It's not a good blend. You can't catch up this way. But what I want to be able to, that's why I was on a calm alert, you know what I mean? With the district borough president, I mean, the district deputy or president back in those days is because I know from firsthand what these people and these guys and these girls want. I lost a girlfriend years ago in Rakazan. She hung herself. Yeah, that stayed wow, in my I'm mind. Yeah, I never that. forgot that. That stays in my brain forever. And I was just talking to her and the next week. The mother, the um, the nun called me and said, you know, she just killed herself. And I'm like, what? What? Like I was, but this has to be like 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Like I was just speaking to her. The next day, the nuns called me and asked me, you know, um, was our family related to her? And I'm like, yeah, because they must have had my numbers. Now they, they said, well, she committed suicide. I was levit. I was gone back then. I was like, oh my God. And then moving forward through the tricorse, of course, in and out of, you know, I, I I was a sister. I was a product of the system a little bit, not too deep in debt. I never did any long times, but I used to get in trouble a lot. So I saw how they ran the system. And I would always say, instead of sending us to jail, I know it's different from the real estate and what we're talking about, but we're still talking about jail reform. Is that instead of sending people to jail, how about having some curricular activity for them. If, if people out there boosting, get a goddamn place for them to sew clothes and make clothes and do fashion. You know what I mean? If people are, you can look at the rate of what someone is doing, but it's not designed for us. So I didn't expect them to curate anything around us because what they are designing us to do is for us to build more license plates, build all the stuff that, you know, they know that jail, but they send people to jail to do. It's a business. You know what I mean? So it's not beneficial for anyone that goes to jail to come out reform. You don't want them reform. You want them to go out there and do what they did before to bring them back in. So that's the issue that I've always had. There's certain things that I'm saying in my mind as a young girl, I used to be an advocate for speaking out, like, you know, with the House of Representatives, and you know all that different stuff I used to do that when I was young but I, I got turned off like I know for a fact me being who I am today I could have been the president of the United States if I'd have stayed on that road because I was so in it as a young girl like my mother would still get letters for me to come in and speak you know what I mean just being an awesome. advocate yes because I spoke I, I would sit there and listen to the just listen to both sides and then I'd be like well it's so simple to me me sitting back a young girl listening to both sides speaking and then just just say well here this is what y'all need to do and it was just one two three but they don't want that simplicity is not what the world wants they want divide and conquer it's I I, I can't um I don't know some people 
I don't understand it, so to speak, because when I listen to both sides of the party speak, I'd be like, all y'all have to do is this. Why can't we just do this? And the simple things, do you get what I'm saying? But it's right. never right. that easy because it's not designed for us to have it so simply because if it would be so simply then we wouldn't have chaos then we wouldn't have all this divide amongst us in the rings because no wanted to be everybody say they wanted to be a complete circle but you really don't you know what i'm saying so i say that to say with the um etiquette thing i noticed that a lot of guys come out they don't speak well you know what i mean they don't know how to go to a job interview and speak for themselves they have all the skills but no one is this hasn't been imp implicated in their whole time system for them to really reform them as gentlemen some of them go in as boys but they come out as still like you know still messed up how they went in there's there's no um, uh, I, I would say evalu evaluation of their growth. Do you get what I'm saying? So stuff like that needs to be implemented. And I mean, I just think we need to really take things at a simple level sometime and look at the pros and the cons and try to make better decisions about jail reform. Because to me, it's simple mathematics, but who who is it going to benefit? That's the thing. I, I, think, I, think, I think some of them come out with... Um, it, it, it's the esteem thing. So it's not that I think. I think you know, when you speak to them, they're 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 reading. They're reading. They're very intelligent. I think sometimes yes. it may just be the self-esteem kind of thing. You know, I was I was in I was in I was in Rikers Island one time, and I was teaching um, a real estate course to uh, about twenty young men. And one young man he came up and he said to me, "I needed a helper." So I put a, a put one of those. Um, those sticky papers on the board and I had a marker mm -hmm. and you know I, he, was, he was my helper so we were talking about what do they think about when they when they hear the word real estate and they hear housing and the room the day room was packed the guys came out of their their room their cells they came they they was they was they was in, they was in, the, in the room talking and when we were done my helper he turned to me and he said man he said miss I wish you had came before and spoke to us about all this before because mm. I learned so much. He said, now I'm going upstate for, for murder. Mm. And this is my helper. Mm -hmm. This is my helper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, it, it's a different ear when you hear they themselves tell you what the cure could have been for them. Ah, right? That's but, my like, point. When they, when they say, like, we can say, you need to do this and you need to do that, you need to do that. But when you hear they themselves say that they need to do it, you it, 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 you hear it differently. The other thing I wanted to say is there was a time, another time, you know, and I think my, I'm telling you, God is really leading me with this campaign because I think that within the last 20 years, all the things that I've been doing in my life um, was was setting me up to do this. To, to, to be borough president because I came in at the last minute. I had, I'm not a politician and I think everything kind of set me up. I remember I was sitting in Rikers Island and I was sitting there with some young, young men and we, you know, we talking, you know, sometimes playing cards, you know, mm -hmm. whatever we were doing. And two of them were getting ready to fight. Mm -hmm. Two of them were getting ready to fight. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, they're not going to fight right now. Jackie, they're not going to fight. <laughs> because I look at these kids and I'm like, listen, if they fight, I'm stuck here for the next eight, 12, however long. Mm -hmm. it on. Mm -hmm. And I got, I got up and these kids, 
you know, could like call them kids because to me that's what they are. And I looked at them and I said, Y'all not gonna fight here. I said, Y'all not gonna fight here because y'all fight here and I'm stuck here for another eight hours. You're gonna have to deal mm-hmm. with me. Y'all gotta have to deal with me. I said, Where am I supposed to use the bathroom? Right there with no door? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to eat? What am I supposed to eat? Was y'all just food? I'm not in jail. Y'all mm-hmm. know me? And they turned to me and they said, You right, this. You right. We sorry. You mm-hmm. right. I said, Now come on, let's sit down and talk about why y'all fighting. videos okay i have videos that i have been taken before this red couch came out with will smith's wife and all that i have a red couch sitting right here in my office that i just you know i'm always a, a video blogger of everything i got capture i just something i just videotape things that i think is essential you know what i mean i capture things pictures all of that but i think is something that you know we need to Remember, you know, what I mean? so I have a lot of footage here of a lot of my homeboys, you know, what I'm saying that came out of jail. I remember one guy came here. He did 30 something years. Like the next two weeks, I asked my friend where he was. He said, oh, he went back. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Who wants to be detained for 30 something years and then goes right back? The system is failing us. So with that being said. I can say we can do another one, but we only have like two more minutes. And oh, okay. So this... I want to tell you the rest of the council. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. I just want to tell um the council base you have like a minute and a half to finish that yeah, okay. base leader so, and how so to get in touch and with land you. Use, housing, mm-hmm. and, housing and land use, education and employment, community policing, public safety, prison reform. We also have um, youth development and the aging, youth development and the aging, because they need a lot of the same resources, understanding how to use a computer. They can share community centers. Um, I also have health, food, and the pandemic. Very important. Health includes physical health, mental health. But remember, there'll be a staff director of um, um, hired for each council, and then there would be an advisory council, a uh, volunteer advisory council of professional experts, um, advocacy organizations, community members, leaders, um, and then I have auxiliary um, uh, councils that can be found at trishoconnor.com, and I'm asking people to join a council from now. I'm not waiting. Mm-hmm. I'm working as if I'm already in there. We're having discussions on what needs to change. I've gotten so many ideas of things that need to be um, changed. So many things people have told me and I had to say, hey, you know, there's already help for that. This is where you get it. Wow. They didn't know. So the, re- the outreach is important. Um, 
I thank you so much for having me. Yes, we can always continue. And, you know, just your your advice and your counsel and your knowledge of, of, of you know, prison reform that you know is greatly, greatly appreciated because, you know, it's just, I, I can't do this alone. I can't just get elected. I need, I need the people around me to, to tell me more than I know, right? Okay. I don't know everything, no more than I know. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you heard it, guys. You front row with Jackie Rowe and Tisha O'Connor. You heard it. She's running for Brooklyn Borough President. You heard the different, you know, things that she's going to be trying to implement so we can get change. We need change. We definitely need a woman like her. So tell the people where they can find you at, please. They can find me at TrishaO'Connor.com. I'm going to all the NYCHAs to talk about what they're doing in NYCHAs. Um, we're going to be talking about the 70,000 people who are in the shelters and the whole the whole housing homeless issue that's happening and what do we need to do about that. So please follow TrishaO'Connor.com. You, um, you can see all my social medias, O'Connor for BK, Trisha O'Connor for BK on, on Facebook. You can join Team O'Connor. You can donate. I also have a hotline, toll-free hotline, 833-O'Connor for number 4BK. Thank you so much. You heard it, guys. Thank you guys for always being the best part of Front Row with Jackie Rowe. Always remember to do something nice for yourself. And thank you again, Trisha O'Connor, for being a valuable part of Front Row with Jackie Rowe. And I want to thank Brother Minister for, you know, for for, for putting putting me on because he, you know, Oh, oh, yes. I'm sure you're someone that he has helped. You have helped as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Infinite. Big up yourself. It was very well, you know, appreciated to connect me with such a wonderful person. Guys, come on now. We got to go out and vote for Tisha O'Connor. Again, guys, thank you for being the best part of Front Row with Jackie Rowe. So welcome, guys, back again to a second part with um, Brooklyn Borough President candidate Trisha O'Connor. So, Trisha, let's finish up because we were so vibing about so many things. Let's talk about what's the next step. What is the next one that you really want to you know, work on now? So I definitely want to look at uh, NYCHA the home, and the homeless issue. So there are 70,000 people um, in the homeless shelter. We do, they do not talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I listen to the mayor's press conference every morning. We on what? Could you tell people, people on what or where do you listen to the mayor? Because the little information will be tedious, but people just don't know because they don't listen. So, Absolutely. Yes. Could you just tell so them where they could find New York City. Gov. Okay. So NewYorkCity.gov, um, you can see it. You could also go to the to YouTube and put New York City Mayor, and you can see the latest one depending on the time. Now, as borough president, I plan to do one of these um, regularly as well. I plan to implement the same program where I'm going to be doing announcements um, regularly. I don't know if they'll be every day, but they're going to be very reg- reg- regular where I'm giving out the resources and the information um, in the same format for the community as well. Because I understand that everyone doesn't use email. You know, some people cannot get mail, and I'll talk about that in a few. So all of that, I'm going to have it where people can watch it through a video, giving out the resources. My thing is i got to give as much re- outreach to people as possible. Mm-hmm. Let them know where these resources are. Exactly. So, and it comes on about 10 o'clock. 
sometimes depending on if the mayor has something to do, it can come on later. But it's always pending, waiting for him to come. The only day that they don't do it is on Fridays. The governor does one as well. So it's really important to watch those as well. Um, and my team will be watching those every single day, along with myself, to just understand what's happening and what's new. In addition to notices we should be sent. So 70,000 people um, in the homeless shelter. <clears throat> that does not include, excuse me, that does not include people sleeping in the streets, people sleeping in the subways, wow. or people just sleeping on someone's, you know, um, sofa. Uh, a good amount of those are young people who are also in the public school system. So now you have a young person who is homeless and they are in school. There was also issues of the shelters not having Wi-Fi. Mm. So a lot of the young kids were not being able to um, continue remote school learning because, and it's what's crazy about it, is the shelters get so much money. The huh? <laughs> New York City, the, the New York City Department of Homeless Services budget, budget, is in the billions. So why? Okay, so this is what gets me angry, and this is why I probably stayed out of politics for a young girl, because I'd be ready to go kick somebody's ass. I'm sorry. Let's keep it real, you know, gangster here, because we get all this money, and when we go ask for it, the people act like it's their money. You understand me? They have an attitude about it. They make it so hard for us to get these things, you know, and it's rightfully ours. We know about all of this billions of budgets that goes into things. But then when we go go out there to get it, like, you know, you know, home stuff for people with rent, food stamps, um, you know, homelessness, all of these things that you're talking about. Why is it so hard when you have people in human administrations that you go apply for these things? They act like they have an attitude. I had to say to one lady one time when I was young, hey, if you don't like this job, then give it to somebody else that really, really, really wants to help people. I think that's a problem. We give these jobs to people that come in and act like they don't want to be there so they don't give anybody the real help that's required. And that's a problem. They're nasty, they're arrogant, and they make people don't want to stay and wait to get the help that's rightfully theirs. Am I incorrect or not? Yeah, people, you know, sometimes people need to be, um, I think also with the, with the pandemic, you know, I've noticed that the customer service sometimes have gone down on, on the way you can get help. Um, we have, we have, you know, you, before you can call a number and get help if you need it on, 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 on public services. But because of COVID and people not being in, we have to wait for um, an email. Some people may not have emails. So we're not getting the services that we need overall. Right, we weren't. It wasn't. We were getting before, and now we're not getting it at all. And the customer service sometimes have gone down because some people don't know how to work from home. Right, there's some people who have to work, and I'm talking as a business owner that some people have to work in the office because if not, they'll sit at home and watch soap operas. So I have I have experienced some of those situations. Um, right. Okay. I think the budget is 2021. Preliminary budget for the Department of Homeless Services is $2.1 billion. I'm losing right? you. Could you speak up a little clearer? Sorry. So the DHS total fiscal 2021 preliminary budget um, is $2.1 billion. Hmm. So hmm. what happens is that money is for the homeless services. 
Owning a shelter is big business. I want I want Brooklyn to understand this. Owning a shelter is big business. Owning a storage unit is big business. Mm-hmm. You open this building, and the city is paying the bill. Now, when you come into the shelters, the men's shelters look like jail. Mm. They look like jail. The women's shelters, you have to go through metal detectors. Mm. There's contraband. The, the, the rooms. Now, let me tell you the light. Of a, of a of a homeless woman unfortunately she goes to the she goes to she goes to the shelter she goes to the metal detectors she has to share the bathroom with many other women she's not allowed to have any type of spray mm. or bleach or anything because that's considered contraband now she sleeps in a room with she's lucky she can get her own room but there are most a lot of times there's one big open room with your bed and you have a locker at the end of the bed sounds very similar to jail, right? Mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen very similar mm-hmm. situations in jail. Now, there are a lot of people who are working, who work for the city, who, who, who live in shelters. If you notice shelters in New York City, a storage unit is very close by. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So now I know a, young, a woman in a shelter has to only put her bag and her shoes in that storage locker box on her bed. Mm-hmm. When she wakes up in the morning, she has to go outside and go to her storage unit and get her clothes and her toiletries. Mm-hmm. Come back to the, the shelter, go through the metal detectors to go take a shower. When she's done, now she has to go back. So she's going back and forth mm-hmm. whenever she can just her toothbrush and maybe you know, her head wrap for her head until she can, like, this is this is the life of someone in a shelter. Hmm. I call it predatory housing because the city knows that when they put someone into that situation, there's no opportunity for them to get out. A, 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 a shelter. Say that again, please. Could you please repeat they, that part when again? They, when the city puts someone into a shelter, they know very well there's no way for them to get out. And there isn't. Because if the, if the shelter is making $3,000 per occupant, and then they're only giving you a $1,500 voucher to go find an apartment, hmm. there's no apartment in New York City for $1,500 for $1, hmm. that can fit a family of, uh, of three, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the city will pay, but they will pay the shelter $6,000. Wow. And that shelter, Unbelievable. That shelter does not provide Wi-Fi. They don't have a computer room. They don't have a basketball court outside. They don't have any of that. And the shelter is making all that. But here's here's a couple more parts to it. If the the shelter system, there's some shelters, the kids are not allowed to stay inside the unit when the parents go out to work. Mm -hmm. So now when the parent goes out, if that unit has a hot pot. So if that kid cannot stay in that unit, that kid has to go outside and wander the streets until their mother comes hmm. back home. Aye. And if the mother wants to do overtime or the boss is asking them, they have to think, hmm, is my kid sitting in the park, getting into trouble, getting hurt, being roughed up by the police, roughed up by some bullies? Like, what, what, what is happening to my kid when my kid is, when I'm at work? Because this is how this, now you can't say, Oh, I'm going to have my brother come stay with him because no one from outside is allowed in the shelter. Exactly. Either. Mm-hmm. The storage units, I went into a storage unit not too long ago. I got lost in the storage unit. Lost. I mean, literally got lost like a maze. That's how huge it is. 
And you now, see how many of them is all over the place? Not to cut you. You see how many of them? They have torn down. So look at Empire Skatering where I grew up at. Yep. Beautiful place. Beautiful. I mean, perfect. You want to keep the zoo. You want to keep the botanical garden. You want to keep the greenhouse. You want to keep all those things, but you can't keep something for our culture that we've been loving to do for years. That skating ring was so valuable for our generation. You know what I'm saying? And they just shut that down and turned it into a storage place because they knew that the disaster was going to come where it's going to be more home pe people um, forced out of their homes. So what are they going to do? Oh, we're going to make more money. You know what I mean? We're not going to give them free storage. We're going to have to rent the storage. So it's all designed for failure for us. You know what I'm saying? It's always been but, like that. Always. But the storage, let me tell you what, what I think. All those storages, they could have easily made them affordable apartments. Yeah, that's they, another it's, it's option. It's a zoning issue. It's a zoning issue, but the city controls the zoning issue. So yes, it's zoning, but the city controls the zoning. Those owners of those storage units are very smart. This is where the money comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Those They bought the storage unit. It doesn't need a lot of material to build out a storage unit. The material is very flimsy. Right. right? It's just, it's just so um, canisters. They're just... They're um, not using concrete. Yeah, they're um, canisters. They are those... Um, what are those things I used to sell them? Um, the containers. They're basic containers. Absolutely. So now, with these spaces, they rent them out. Now, if and when there is a zoning change, these, prop these property owners of these storage units are going to own these places free and clear free and clear okay and the city what people don't know is the city writes a check to these storage units every month hmm. oh god so what's happening is people people you're looking they're looking at it and we have seventy thousand people in the homeless shelter but yet we got all these storage units that can easily now now the reason why <laughs> there's storage units because of the zoning Mm. This is why a bar presence has to understand it. It's because of the zoning. However, over there, it's not an industrial area. Yes, and we can change zoning. it. We could have That's changed that. Exactly what you said. We could have changed it. But go ahead. You have the floor. Right. I'm sorry. Now, as far as the botanical gardens, oh, no, there are people fighting over there for botanical gardens because there's a developer who wants to develop over there. And, and oh. the, the development is going to block the sun on the Yes, the, the I heard garden. about that. So yeah. this, this, I want any Brooklynite to know that I'm coming in and I want to sit at those tables and I'm going to be able to talk the language of real estate and housing that you have to be able to talk when you're talking to developers. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against development because we need more housing. We need, we need economic development. We need, we need development, but it has to be responsible and it has to be something that's not going to push out the community and the community is going to be a part of it. My office is about and equity from the community. The community has to have that. Exactly. So and also not pushing out and not pushing out global, not pushing out the sun and, you know, our energy. We need that. We need the greenery. You know what I mean? So I, I will be definitely being against that because they did that over there on, I think it was um, Franklin Avenue or Nostrand where they, um, the house, it was the armory or something. They was over there, was fighting for that for a while. I knew a lot of people, a lot of politicians involved with that. And I don't even know if they got approved for it yet, but they need to stop it. You need to really think about what they're doing when they, you know, trying to tear down certain things and rebuild. And like you said, you're not against the rebuilding, but it has to make dollars. It has to make sense. It has to make, and it has to help the people. Exactly. It has to be, it has, you know, 
give people jobs. As of right, as of right is one thing. As of right means that whatever, whatever the zoning says that they can do, if they choose to do that, they're allowed to do that. However, when they come to the community and they want some type of recommendation from the community, they have to make sure that they're coming with, you know, the proper thing for the community storage, but also the city has to be accountable. These storage units here, the city is, you know, the city can say, well, it's as of right, they can do whatever they want, but you are funding all these storage units. You're making it, you're making the shelter business a business. People don't know that a lot of New York City hotels have been used as shelters. Mm-hmm. And the hotels are making a really big bag off of, the, off of, off of, off of housing the shelters versus yeah. housing tourists. Yep. And the city is paying it. And, and they prefer it because if you're paying two fifty a night for a hotel and the city is going to pay you this guaranteed money every single month, what are you going to do? You're going to allow that. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I understand anybody can be homeless. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way the homeless population now is any one of us God forbid could be homeless when you think of homeless back in the day it's not people working for the city like I said are homeless and anyone could turn homeless the, the thing about it is we need to give them permanent housing stable housing the main exactly the main, um, the main shelter in the Bronx I've never been there but the way it's been described to me is as if you take let's take 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 kids Take four kids to that to the shelter in the Bronx at two o'clock in the morning to to to, to um to the DMV. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like going to the shelter at any hour. Imagine going to the DMV with four kids at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> kids are sleeping. They're, they're they're cranky. They're this. They're telling you wait online for 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 a hundred people in front of you. This is how the shelter system is in the Bronx. This is from my understanding of it. We need to change those things. You know, there was a mother with two kids who was living in a shelter. And if you don't clock out, if you don't sign into a shelter for 48 hours, they consider that you've gotten your own space, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how easy it is to evict somebody in a, in a, in a, in a shelter? Yeah. There is no eviction. Hmm. If they don't sign in in 48 hours, you can go in their unit, take their stuff out, dump their food because you can't give away their food, put their stuff in storage which the city will pay for and then from the Bronx they will send you a new person to live there. <laughs> and your check keeps going. And your check keeps going because there's so many people waiting to be placed in a shelter that the place now, what happened to those children? I personally had to call the shelter and ask the shelter and beg the shelter to please take the family back because there had to be some error. The shelter said it's too late. We already took somebody else. This mother, this single mother with two children had to go to the Bronx. Those kids were out of school for a whole week. A whole week. Does anybody care about that? A whole week. Not at all. Not at all. I hear stories and I'm so glad, you know, there's someone that's so professional as you that know the do- the, the um the numbers, you know what I'm saying? It's really was, you know, amazing to me is because I hear the stories and it's just a it's just crawls my heart just to hear this even more because that's what I'm saying, it's just not designed for us. It's just really sad. You know, it really is. And I hope it's not. <laughs> Oh God. Huh. It's not. 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 It's not
it's not designed for us. And, you know, 70,000 people in the homeless shelter is not a light number. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that number, that number keeps increasing. That number keeps increasing, 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 increasing. Oh. And that, that, you know, and, and you can hear the mayor say, oh, we're going to have this amount of affordable housing. Listen, when those buildings are being built, first of all, we have to look at what is considered affordable. The AMI, right? The area... The media income, like that, that, that right there is not even correct, right? They're not even looking at the real income of the people in New York City. So, the, what they're considering affordable is not affordable, right? A, 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 a one bedroom for two thousand dollars is not affordable. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to look at what's affordable. The other thing is looking at how many units are empty. There are a lot of city units that are empty and we really have to look at that because we really have to make sure that we're getting real affordable housing for the you know once you have and i'm taught not to guarantee anything for people and i and i have i don't make any promises to anyone that's that's not the that's not the elected official i am i don't make any promises to anyone but i'm pretty sure that if we fix the housing issue in in, in brooklyn we're gonna fix the Domestic violence, the gun violence, the mental health, the education, and we're gonna fix other things. Big time. Big, big time. Big time. Big time. I had someone who called me the other day and told me, um, and he was recently um, incarcerated, and he told me he had to drop out of school because he had he's living in a shelter. He said he can't, he can't, he can't, he can't. There's no community room for him to study for in, in the shelter, and in he's in a dormitory, right? That's how they. That's how mostly how they house the men. Very unlikely you'll see. I haven't seen it where a man will get a, a single room. So they they house him in a dormitory style. You know you can't. How you gonna be up on the mm-hmm. computer or the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi may not be coming. Up. And he had to drop out of school. He had to tell his professors, "I'm in a shelter. I cannot continue school." I know the stories them too well. This is why I'm saying to you, Trisha, these things are not designed for us. So we need community leaders, real, 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 real people like yourself that will come in. You know what I mean? For someone to be able to make change, you got to know what the changes are. You got to be a part of the change. Exactly. That's my point. So I sit here gracefully listening to you, you know, giving you the platform because I know I hear the stories all day and I see it. You know what I mean? I leave out of New York. I go to Maryland. I go to, I go all over the world and I can't believe I went to LA. I was like, Jesus Christ, they have a whole, a whole community of nothing but homeless people. Like I used to do. You know, I have two organizations and I I had to stop because I was like, wow, I've been I used to do this from 2006. I have an organization called Blankets for Love. You understand me? And when I tell you, I used to keep thank you. I used to, you know, um, I do it right after October because I'm an advocate for domestic violence. So after I do my domestic violence event, the next thing kicking is right as you know, I know it's going to get cold. It's November, December, all the way to January, sometime to February to March. I would do the Blankets for Love. I would have different locations. People that I know will be the location spot for them to drop off the blankets. And 
I started collecting so much blankets. Before I used to collect the used blankets and I stopped because of bed bugs issues, of course. Then I only collect brand new blankets. And so I would kind of like outsort it out to Tampa, Florida. And Tampa, Florida would be so grateful because, you know, it was the guidelines of um, certain things that they had to do before I could allow them to be able to say that they were, you know, an advocate to be able to collect the blankets. So once they, you know, got through my whole process, I would allow them to go ahead and collect the blankets, but they have to find a shelter. It would have to be a domestic violence shelter or a homeless shelter. Man, you want to see how much blankets we used to collect and the people we used to give it to. I, I didn't wow. even want to videotape it to even show it back then. I, it was just so sad to see how much homeless people are on the street. You know what I mean? And just a blanket was just so gratifying to them. They were so appreciative. I wish I could have done more. But of course, I'm a, you know, I'm a one woman army. I try to do so many different things that I see. But right. if I'm telling you I'm one woman, now this is what almost 20, 30 years ago, just about to me 25 years, 20 years, I don't know. I can't even keep up. I could see the things that are needed. Do you understand and what needs to be right. changed? Now everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon to be a part of a corporation, an INC, a LSC, all kinds of shit just for money. Nobody does it no more for passion. So when I see stuff like that come up, I've been there, done that, been in, in every facet of the game. I've been a humanitarian, I've been an advocate. See, I've been doing all of this stuff from my heart because I have two eyes, you understand me? And I have a heart and I see the, the need. I see what's needed for people. But I don't see people coming together really saying, hey, I want to be a part. Can you know, could we have this organization coming together with this organization? Back then, that's all I was asking. You know what I mean? Come together with me to let's try to really clean up. Now, everybody wants, because I know it's some money involved. Everybody wants to be that singular person. Me, I am doing this. I am running for this. I am doing that. I'm like, okay, fine. You know what I mean? Like, I still don't see any change. Like you said, how many um, how many homeless people are in the street? Right. So that's No, how many? Could you tell us? Could you... How much? 70,000. 70,000. So, so the city likes to say there's 70,000 homeless, but I believe it's more hmm. because I believe that I haven't seen the actual numbers because they won't release those numbers. I've actually asked, you know, I'm the former chair of housing for Community Board 17, and I asked for a list of the shelters um, because I wanted to do some outreach. I wanted hmm. a system. I wanted to make sure they're, they're, you know, they have the resources they need, especially the young people knowing that the you know the parents leave them they don't get any they don't they, they're left to walk the street and the department of homeless services said that they cannot um which you know it doesn't make any sense because i said the kids don't want to do any domestic violence ones but to say that you're not going to give me any of them um that doesn't make any sense especially when i'm coming with to help but that's because they don't want to know how many are out there hmm. and it's sad because when they can offer this this, this this family or this person permanent housing they're opting to, to offer them you know um, um, a, a shelter and then and then there's no way out because the, the government program that they offer them is not enough to cover you know an apartment in New York City, it just doesn't, it just doesn't match. And because it's not designed. Going to other states, <laughs> and I'm hearing that, you know, other states like Newark, I believe, you know, they they wanted, I don't know if it's them, but another state wanted to sue New York City because 
the homeless are going to other states in order to find housing um, with the vouchers that allow them to go to other states because they mm-hmm. can't find housing in New York City. Of course. And if they do find housing, the housing is very poor. You know, it's very, even though they're supposed oh. to be inspected, some of them, you know, they're this and they're this and they're that. You know, stable housing would help so many people. And I want this city to understand that. You know, but the city thinks that shelters are the answer clearly. And shelters are not the answer. Shelters is just a big business. Exactly. Exactly. We need new developments of new buildings that are going to be able to, uh, uh, you know, equiply. We need places like they have out of Florida. Oh, my God. Do you see some of that land that they have out of Florida and some of those homes that they have out of Florida? That's why people, oh, that's a retirement home. It's beautiful. We need to bring some of that sunshine of Florida here in New York City. Have these beautiful um, gated community homes to take some of these people off the street. It doesn't, it doesn't require a lot. You know, if you do the check and balance on how much money that they're putting out to keep people homeless, put the money into some, you know, developments and land and build homes, build new home and, you know, homes for some of these, you know, people off the street. We'll, we'll be a better place. Well, well, the thing with, with Florida, they have more land. You know, we don't, we don't have we don't have that much land. We However, have a lot of abandoned buildings. There's old schools all in Brownsville. There's old um 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 factories. There's a whole bunch of them, but they're being rebuilt for the gentrification of upcoming, you know. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So I know we don't have land here in Florida, but we have buildings. We have old buildings we have old factories we have a whole bunch of places that we can just take two of them and turn them into affordable homes for homelessness we'll be good we you know we need to start somewhere but everything is so high in for the middle class people that they want to keep pop that's why i said listen in the beginning i don't think nobody really want i'm not saying nobody i don't think the higher up really wants change they want the the, the, the divide and conquerness you know what i mean because I was a young girl, 14 years old, 13 years old, listening to this stuff. And I'm going, huh? All we have to do is do this. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? And then when I got really stronger and understood really more, I would demand that we do it. You know what I mean? And they, oh, yes, that's a great idea. Yes, I would go to all these little organization groups, but nothing. They just wanted to hear what I had to say. And they was that, that was it. Nothing happened. And enough of that for me. I said, all right. So I see this is a system that doesn't really want change. You just want to hear people talk. It sounds good, but no one is being effective. You know what I mean? You know, they're not really making it really, uh, you know, effective so people can really get off the streets, get into a better situation, live good, eat healthy, grow healthy. You know what I mean? These things are so easy, so easy to be done, and they make it so hard. I, I just don't understand that for the life of me. I never got it. The reason why it's hard is because when you come into politics, oh, I know. <laughs> people who, the people who help get politicians in, are the people who make the money in development. Say it again: M O M O N E Y. Money. The money. So what happens is sometimes you see those those abandoned buildings that you speak about. Every building has an owner. Hmm. So it depends on who's the owner. Now, if the city is the owner, 
or the city wants to purchase, those are things that they can do. They can develop real affordable housing on their own property. Now, if a developer has a private property, sometimes what they want to do is they want to extend their property so they can get more out of it. Mm-hmm. And the extension means coming to the city for permission. So the city for permission says, okay, well, what are you doing for the community? If you want my help, what are you doing for the community? The problem is that the community is not, or the city who's giving this permission is not demanding enough. And that's the reason why. If you have storage units being built when there's affordable housing that's needed, that's a problem. That's a problem. So now we have to look at who owns these storage units and who's giving money to these politicians. Those are things we have to look at. Jews. As I mentioned to you, storage units and shelters is big business. Mm -hmm. It's not about the people. It's not about that that, that single mother who's homeless for her two kids. It's not about her. It's about how much money is that shelter going to make every month. I just told you the budget is $2.1 billion. Mm-hmm. billion. Dollars. That's where the money is being made. And that's the reason why the people are being oppressed in shelters. Yeah, that's what's mm-hmm. happening. So they need someone who's going to address those issues. Yes, yes, very much so. So what is the other um, thing you want to um, elaborate on so we can definitely... The other thing, the gun violence. Yes. Okay. And the gun violence, you know, the New York City has programs in place and organizations that help uh, the young people in gun violence, you know, the young men in the gangs and the girls who role with them. There's a lot of programs through the crisis management system, the care violence system. And they need to be supported to help the prevention of it. But part of that prevention has to really be talking to our young people and letting them know what the effects of what they do in gun violence is. You know, I don't know if you know some, some, some young men may have gone to jail but some of them have never probably been on a visit. Mm-hmm. And I think if they ever go through a visit, they will think twice about putting their mother or their girlfriend through that visit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they go they go through the processing way. And, and, they, and they come out. But they don't know what it takes their, 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 their Loved mother ones. Mm-hmm. or their grandmother to have to get on the train and that and that right violent bus, and then that upstate bus too, and to and to and to and to get her breast and everywhere search and have to wait on the five hours and and have to eat from a vending machine just to get to see you. So that's one. Two. Some of them shoot that shoot that gun and never see that body, hmm. and sometimes they need. To who they shot who they killed mm-hmm. so that can sit in their brain for a very long time and understand what it is because they don't they don't have that image 
Well, I mean, if they have the image, I hear what you said, and I don't. I'm, I'm trying to visualize that because I feel like if someone could take a gun and shoot someone and know that they're going to take that person's life, they got the last image of what they did because they had to see what it did. And there's a lot of these guys like shooting people in their head. They had to see what it did. You know what I mean? That image is in their head. I don't think they just don't care. You know what I mean? It might be. That's the other thing. It, it could be a pro and a cons to that. You know, after them seeing someone dead, a lot of these dudes kill people and go to their funeral like nothing happened and look over them, cry, like making sure they dead and they come back and say, yeah, that nigga is dead. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's the one, you know, that one right there is the right approach. Some of, them, some of the younger ones, some of the younger ones, some of the younger ones, they need to, they need to know before. Another thing, the resources. Mm-hmm. When you speak to, you know, I had a young man, and he told me clearly, for protection, not to do robberies for protection. Sometimes they don't understand, for them to take a life, they don't understand the history. They don't understand that they're kings. You understand? They don't understand that you should not be killing your brother, like you should not you should not be doing that. And I think if they had history and value for self and value for life, that's another aspect of it. I think teaching yes. is very important, not to cut you. I think teaching is very important. And in this game right now, we need a lot of that. We need a lot of leaders, real good teachers. You know what I mean? Like, even this whole Black Matters thing, I was, like, bugging out, like, who are the leaders? Who is leading us into all of this? Like, really and honestly, look at the leaders. We need real strong leaders. You know what I mean? Like... That the teaching is very the game right now is 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 teaching. You know what I mean. I used to say the game need to be told. You know, not I mean need to be sold and not told. But now I have a different perspective. I'm willing to help to teach anybody that want to hear what I got to say because I know I'm a life walking experience. You know, um, vessel walking around here, and I have saw and been around a lot. And a lot of these kids, dumb, they need real role models, real, you know, um, what was the thing they used to have back in the days where big brothers and little brothers, whatever that is, they need that. I volunteer my service all the time to be able to be someone to be, you know, to, to, to be able to talk to, you know what I mean? You have issues. A lot of these things stem from home, having problems at home and don't know how to deal with the issues at home. Domestic violence in the family could stem a lot of bad things out of that, you know, having a growing up and hearing your father father and mother yelling at each other you think that's cool you angry you go to school being angry you go in your relationship angry not learning mannerism not learning how to speak not learn how to be happy it is there's a lot there's a lot of things that we could look at but we have to implement these things in place and have these more instead of having more of 50 goddamn chinese restaurants in our neighborhood put more curricular activity more schools more things so people the kids them could go after school you know not that's why i keep talking about about um, Empire when I say that. I mean, they could have put a big place where kids could have, you know, went there to, to do things, arcades, places, just things to get the kids off the street. Kids need attention. You know, what happens when they don't get attention? They look at television. They want to see well, who they can be like, you know what I mean? Because the television is telling a vision. And the only thing a kid is doing is looking for vision. They're looking for guidance. So I think we need to go more strongly into guidance and having more things 
more parks in the neighborhoods, more different things for these kids to get off the street, more jobs. We know that for a fact. But kids like to go out. They they like attention. You know, you got to keep them their minds going. You got to figure out what if they if they can write good. Figure you know find a, a place where they could exercise their writing ability. You know, and it's up to the parents. Sometimes the parents and them are not in comfortable situations where they have money. Some mothers are in messed up situations that you know the father's the only one that's bringing in the, the income they need to you know nowadays i'm so happy because through the epidemic it has really shown a lot of pros and cons so many brand new businesses people know know now know that they can become an entity just from being a family person or learning from your great grandmother how to bake a cake how to bake a cupcake how to do that they turn these things to businesses but we need more businesses and more different implements of teaching people how to be entrepreneurship you know what i'm saying that's what we you you mentioned you mentioned something you said you know um something about the, the chinese restaurants the thing is i don't take i don't take the businesses or the practices of any of any culture um away from them because one thing when i look at um you know when i look at some 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 cultures and and, and and what they what they're doing for their community, we should be doing for ours. Just as you mentioned, right? So you open up a family business and you're serving the communities and you're hiring your children and your cousins and you know your neighbors and you know your grandchildren and those are things that we should be doing as well in our communities. We yeah, but we don't. That's the reason why. Sorry. I had the real estate. No, it's okay. That's the reason why I had the real estate camp in my office because I remember where I came from and how I learned and how I was taught. And when I opened my business, I made sure I brought in people from the community that were young people so I could help them train. And those were, those were some other cultures do. And we need to look at those things and say, yeah, we need to do those same things and making sure that we have these different businesses in our community doing the mentorship as we should. But the other thing I just wanted, I was breaking down the different things that causes the gun violence and, 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 and what we need to do with with the prevention of it. Remember, I, I helped run and co-founded um, a pre-apprentice program and an anti-gun violence program, Trading Hammer for Hammer, where we believe taking the, hand, the gun out of their hands and putting something in, but also supplying them with resources, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the parts of our program is every Thursday, Divine and Darren hold a personal development class because these young men and women who may, may um, in the past have been people who had, who had guns in the past, right? What makes them pick up the gun? So if someone is at home, they go out and they leave their gun at home and someone goes and you know runs over their foot maybe let's just say they're gonna leave it alone they they may fight they'll be oh they may leave it alone right but if they have that gun on them the chances of them using that gun can be greater so one we have to get them to the point where they don't even want to feel the need to bring the gun out but also we have to look at what mental, what what trauma they've had, and 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 New York City looks at gun violence as a mental health issue, right? That there's something that has brought them to that, 
there's some there's something there's a trigger to that. There's something that makes them want to be in that in to to, to cause to cause a violent act, right? It mm-hmm. could be anger, but it's anger management. So those are all those things that I mentioned, not just one, but all those things that we have to expose our young people to and our shooters to to understand because guess what? I believe in police, community policing. In Times, not Times Square, uh, it may have been, I think it's Times Square, I have to check. There's prisons, because, you know, unfortunately, a young, a, a, a baby, a three-year, four-year-old was shot in Times Square yeah, um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Times Square, you know, does not have any shootings. And they're, 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 they're really happy that they never, they haven't had any shootings, but they get federally funded. They get federally funded. So, in order to prevent that, to, in order to keep up the tourism of it. You know, today's paper, they were saying that a lot of the businesses in Times Square are afraid that because of the shooting, they may lose revenue because tourists may not come. A tourist, I think, got um, uh, 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 thrown onto the track. So tourists are pulling back from it. So when we're looking at the whole thing of gun violence, we have to look at, listen, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to take my kids to the park after dinner and see a shooting. So how do we cure this? How do we make sure that we're safe? You know, we need to make sure we have community policing where the community organizations are mm-hmm. out there talking to the kids from junior high school, from elementary school. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree helping on that them with the, mm-hmm. Helping them with their conflict. And not just helping them with their conflict, helping their families. But that's why I said, exactly, that's exactly why I said, and I revert back to that again, not no disrespect to the culture of um, the race. I just think, like I said, to me, they need to be, instead of all these 50 chains of food, not specifically, if you look at every neighborhood, we have 20 Chinese restaurants. It's not going. It's not going out of style. You understand me? And if we look at what they're doing, I'm quite sure if you go in their neighborhood, you're not going to see 50 soul food restaurants in their neighborhoods. No, you're not going to see that. But I understand what you said, the dynamics of looking at how they do things, but nobody is, is trying to implement what we need to take away and what we need to put in we know wendy's all these are franchise chains are poisoning our kids in our neighborhood fast food you know what i'm saying like find other things to put in our neighborhood it would alleviate gun violence i'm telling you these kids are bored and what happens when they're bored bored they linger they linger into other things into gangs and to want to do all these other things that they just need something else to keep their mind, you know, detained from doing the wrong things. It, it's, it's a simple method. It really is. If you look in the neighborhood and you look and see how many stuff they have in the neighborhood, take a look one day and just look in your neighborhood and see how many places do you see something for a kid, a young kid to go in to keep themselves busy if their mother's at work. Take a look. There's not a lot. In nowhere you see stores, you see people, you see food, you see this, you see that. Now I said due to COVID, you do see a different chain because a lot of people might have used their PPP money, uh, whatever the SB loans or whatever the things and whatever little things they're doing to put other things up. You know what I mean? You see a lot of young girls with their hair stuff now. You see a lot of young guys them putting up restaurants. You know what I mean? But restaurants where it's entertaining, nice little lounges. You know, somebody went to culinary school. He's a chef. 
chef cooking. Like we have to look at the dynamics of what's needed. And I'm telling you, I hear everything you're saying and respectfully, I respect it, but I know. And like, you know, you're, you're speaking because you want people to know you're from Brooklyn, but you got to get around more Brooklyn people. Look in your neighborhood. The problem is there. If you a young kid growing up, you have your young child. He's 11, 12 years old. You bring him outside. How many, it's like he got to go to Times Square to see the lights. No, he should see the lights them in his neighborhood, places where he could go to where he feel comfortable at, where he don't have to worry when mom come from off of work. I'm over here. I'm in the, you know, I'm, I'm in a place, a curricular place of business. I saw one place out of, um, out in East New York on the news a couple, um, maybe a year or two, they took a bank and they transformed a bank. It's out there in East New York on Pennsylvania. And it was beautiful. They took it and they turned it into like a beautiful, um, a curricular activity in, you, you don't know, I don't know where it is, but it's over there in East New York on Pennsylvania Avenue, an old bank. And they turned it into a beautiful recreation center. Yes, it was on the news. I'm talking about more things like that. that just... Trust me when I tell so, you. So, so my small business and economic development, I'm an MWEBE, Woman and Minority Business Enterprise Certified mm-hmm. um, uh, Business. My MWBE um, helped me to get government contracts. These are things that we need to expose to our young people. Exactly. Our young people are very talented. Okay. Beautiful. Very talented. Beautiful, beautiful, and yes. That, that's a way to to do that we need to go to the local businesses and 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 get them to hire young people to do it you know yes beautiful beautiful yes i used to have about 30 people 30 young people every summer and the thing is even though i was in real estate office i didn't only take people who were interested in real estate so two summers i remember having a young woman who was interested in doing being a hairstylist Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. every day she used to come to my office and do my hair mm-hmm. and she got paid by the city through summer youth now mm-hmm. you think oh you know you're a real estate office she's doing real estate well she's exposed to real estate because she's in my office but she was more interested in being hairstylist so while she was there she learned what it would take for her to open up her own salon I had a young lady the other day. So I had a young man who was interested in making apps. He actually went away to college to make apps. So what I did was while he was in my office, I had him make an app. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep them into the careers that day. Yes, I totally agree. Expose them to it. Absolutely. I totally agree on that on the point. I had a young lady Mm -hmm. myself too. Her father was an ex-politician and, you know, they were going through some challenges and I created a page for her. I helped her to get the name and I let her, you know, experiment on my face. And I hope she's carrying on. I spoke to her, you know, recently, but, you know, through the COVID, she couldn't really, you know, do too much because of COVID. So I hope that was, you know, something that could help her to get out there. She appreciated that. And the other thing was, um, a a lot of... We also have... Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Mm -hmm. We have to also recognize that, yes, there are a lot of people who need preventive help, but there are some people in our hood who really don't care and who will come into a park crowded with, with women and children and elderly people and shoot. Those are and some those of the mental. Who do need to see, and like you said, there are those who are so heartless that they will they don't care about shooting somebody in their head and not no caring, but I think when they really 
see. I'm, I'm, I'm around the mothers who lost their children. When they really see what happens when, and like you said, some even go to the funerals, but there's some who, even if it's just one, who says, man, I don't want to put someone through this, or I don't want this to ever happen to me because retaliation is real. Or, you know, I now see what it takes to do a visit. To go upstate for a visit, to go to Rikers Island for a visit, to put my mother and my girlfriend to the visit. So I'm gonna think twice about about doing what I gotta do. I'm gonna think twice before I shoot that gun because I know I don't have no aim and I can end up hitting a baby or an old lady or someone and that that's the public safety that bothers me, right? Because I need to be able to take my kids to the park. I'm walking through the streets. And I'm telling you, as a mother, as a mother, and I'm walking my kids through the streets, I have to have an extra sense because I have to hear, if I hear conflict, I have to listen out to hear if I hear, if I hear shootings, if, and what am I going to do with three kids walking the street? I shouldn't have to deal with that as well. So as much as I'm helping the young people, and, 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 and the reform is, a, is just as much as I'm also looking at the gun violence that I don't want to be caught in front of God forbid, and many other people don't want to be caught in, in, in the middle of either. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we agree to disagree about some of this stuff, but we agree on a lot of things and we definitely need to find a resolution to stop gun violence, homelessness, mm-hmm. and all the other great attributes that you would like to be empowered to help to bring to change. So again, I thank you so much. Is there any other thing you want to cover? I thank you also. Yeah. Do you want to cover anything else? I think we covered those last I, two. Just remind everyone to vote O'Connor, O-C-O-N-A, um, and join the council and donate if they can to help the fight keep going. My, my, my main platform is predatory housing, which includes if you have problem with your housing, then you fall under the category of predatory housing because it, 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 it's the government's help job, whether it's elected officials or the government overall, to make sure people have stable housing because if they understand that stable housing create a better world then they're gonna want to help you and that's what they got to understand when you're looking at shelters yes shelters are making people a ton of money but the quality of life for that individual and for the city on a whole is down so was it really worth putting people into into shelters versus putting them into permanent housing Mm -hmm. right right doesn't it make sense doesn't it make sense to put money into preventing gun violence right Yes, police, yeah, we need, we definitely need police, but if you put the money, you know, one, one thing I want to add is that there was an, um, a, a young man, 21 years old, who was arrested about a month ago for uh, allegedly stabbing people in the train. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember. Man. Mm-hmm. And I looked, I looked at that situation and, you know, I was, the, the, the PVA was saying, oh, you know, we got to get these criminals off the street. And and they were going off on this man. And I said to myself, this current administration has been in office for eight years. Eight years ago, this 21-year-old was 13. Hmm. He was failed the last eight years. He was failed. There is no (laughs) way in the world a 21-year-old should be homeless looking the way he looks. 
that's one of my big points again. So yeah, we're on point when we could talk about that right there because that's crazy. That again, we have to catch them before they fall. Get into those elementary schools and we got to be able to have, you know, great curricular activities to get them, you know, staying focused on the good, not on the bad and being positive. But even the family issues. Yeah, that's why I say when you said about the guy coming in. That means... They need some type of domestic issues. Yeah, mental. They need some type yeah. Of housing issues. Yeah, when you said about the guy coming into the park and you know stuff like that, I said that's mental. So there's a lot of different things, you know. But one thing you could get, you could count on. I will be working close with you, honey. You know what I mean? Because we need I each you, other. I hear you. Please join you know? the counseling. Encourage people to join the counseling. Absolutely. Because we're gonna sit at we're gonna sit at Borough Hall's tables. Okay. Borough Hall has a huge conference room. A huge conference room. I know, I've been there a lot of times. About 20 seats. And, and Trisha O'Connor, President, uh, Brooklyn Borough President Trisha O'Connor will be setting up technology so we can satellite in for those who don't who can't come out. And we're going to have a conference. We're going to have conferences addressing these issues. And I would love to hear from you and your experience because guess what? Even though we agree to disagree, there are things that you know that I may not know. There are Absolutely. things that you may understand and see in a, in a way that I don't necessarily see and understand. And because I'm only one person, I know housing. Right. And even that, I still don't know everything. I'm still appointing other people on my team who know housing. Because they may be able to, you, you have to be able to dialogue with other people so other people can show you issues that you don't necessarily see. Right. You know, if you go onto onto my onto my page, you know, I have a racial immigrant and immigration council. Um, I have I have a clergy, family issues, and equality council. Mm-hmm. So so there are there are different situations or issues that Brooklynites may share that may not pertain to me, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 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 so those people who can relate to it, or who are affected by it, or who 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 understand it, I want to hear from those people, and I want those people to join those councils, those respected councils, so we so they can have a seat at the table, and we can help you know make things better for the people of Brooklyn. And I want to just thank you again. Um, you are so welcome. This was very well needed and so much information, guys. Thank you again, Trish O'Connor. And look out for her. She's going running for the Brooklyn Borough President. But this is a lot of information, guys. Again, Trisha, thank you for being one of the valued parts of Front Row with Jackie Rowe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.